I'm delighted to be here today. Watchmen, what of the night? Watchmen, what of the night? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What do you have to say? The signs are being fulfilled. And there's a story in the book of Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter. You find it in, it starts in Second Chronicles chapter 18 and it goes to Second Chronicles chapter 20. And it is a story about King Jehoshaphat. He was one of the greatest kings in the kingdom of Judea. When he ascended to the throne, he ascended to a throne in which his predecessor had taken the kingdom of Judea into idolatry. And the Bible says that when he ascended the throne after his father died, that he got rid of the high places. He purged idolatry from the nation. And such a religious fervor came over the nation. Because he had the priests teach the book of the law. He reinstituted justice to the poor. That the word of God was paramount in the, in the kingdom of Judea. The religious fervor was so great, the Spirit of God worked in the kingdom of Judea that the Bible says that Jehoshaphat had peace with all of the surrounding nations. None dared to, tra to, to, to trouble the kingdom of Judea. In Jehoshaphat's life, he was not perfect. He married the daughter of King Ahab. And so he travels to Samaria after a number of years. He travels to Samaria to be entertained by his father-in-law, Ahab, King Ahab, king of Israel. And so King Ahab throws a great party for King Jehoshaphat. And in the course of the party, he asks Jehoshaphat, King Ahab, can you go up with me to fight Ramoth? Gilead, the enemy of Samaria. And Jehoshaphat, the godly man that he was. You know, sometimes the church could stumble. You know that? We can stumble, but that God does not set us aside. But it's a beautiful story in the sense that Jehoshaphat inquired, is there a prophet in the land? Jehoshaphat wants to know, is that the will of God? At that particular time in history, the northern kingdom was in full-fledged apostasy. We read about King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. And Ahab's prophets told Ahab, the mission is going to be successful. But King Jehoshaphat was not satisfied. He wanted to know if there was not one of God's prophet in the land. And they brought it to prophet. I think his name was Micaiah. And he prophesied of the failure of the pending mission. But Jehoshaphat went to battle. And Ahab said to Jehoshaphat, I would disguise myself when we go to battle. But you wear the kingly robe. And Jehoshaphat did. And at the heat of the battle, the Assyrian king said, Look for the king of Israel. Do not kill another soldier. And they saw Jehoshaphat. They surrounded his chariot. 
And Jehoshaphat cried out to God, and he saved him. In the course of the battle, an arrow hit King Ahab. He was asked to be taken off the battlefield, and he died. Jehoshaphat returns to the kingdom of Judea, and you can say those were the sunny days in the life of the kingdom of, Ju of Judea, of Judah, when Jehoshaphat reigned. And in Second Chronicles chapter 20, the Bible tells us that a message comes to King Jehoshaphat. And standing at the, the, uh, on the threshold of the kingdom of Judea was a mighty army. Judea, the kingdom, is experiencing sunny days. And dark clouds have come over the kingdom. There was a, at that particular time, the kingdom had an army of over a million standing strong men. Kingdom of Judea. But the confederate army was that of Ammon and of Moab and of Monsir. And when Jehoshaphat got the news, he had an army of over a million. When he got the news, he saw his only option was prayer. And in his prayer for deliverance, he reminded God that the people of Ammon, the people of Moab, the people of Monsir, God, as we traveled through, as your people traveled from Egypt to the land of Canaan, you have asked us, you told us, you instructed us not to invade these nations. We are your inheritance. Look at the reward they're going to give to us. Those were the dark days of the kingdom of Judea. We are standing at a time in the course of history when that has been revisited. It is the friend that is going to try to kill us. It is not the enemy that we know. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, I'm not worthy to stand here. So I ask for divine strength and wisdom. I ask this message be born, dear God, because we are to be watchmen in the walls of Zion. What will tell us of the night? Father, is the day star shining in our heart? Are we looking at the signs of the times that are, part, that are pointed to this stupendous time that's coming? Father, that when we can see our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to go home with him in paradise. Let this be your message. Origin is from your throne of grace. Hide me behind the cross. And Heavenly Father, I just pray that this message is going to change our lives. Watchmen, let us tell of the night. Kindly forgive us of our sins. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask these things. Amen. Things have been good. For the last 218 years, things have been good. The Christian church has experienced an era from 1798 to 2017. Those were sunny days. Those have been sunny days. After 1798, there was a great reference, well, prior to, up to 1798, from about the 10th century, the Reformation began, and what was spiritual darkness was being erased and removed, and spiritual light was coming. For 218 years, there has been peace in the religious world. 
We're standing on the verge of one of the greatest warfare in the religious world about to unfold on our church. We have had great sunny days after the great awakening of 1844, the formation of the church in 1853, the ability to proclaim a message without fear of persecution. This gospel has gone through the whole world. It went by men and women who were willing to brave, to leave their places where they were, whether they were in Europe or they were in the United States, to cross great continents like India and China, to go south to Australia, to proclaim a message that Jesus is Lord, that we are saved by grace through faith. But what are we looking at? How do we know where we are in the course of time? How many more years do we have on this earth? If we were to live for another 50 years, is that possible? As we take a look at where we are now, church, watchmen, what of the night? Are we seeing the dark clouds on the horizon? In the book of Daniel, we're going to take a look at these verses. It is ever so important that we understand the books of Daniel and Revelation. We have been criticized for it. We have been mocked. We have been jeered. People are losing faith. But our understanding of the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation are ever so correct. Because with the passage of time from 1853 to 2017, we have seen the fulfillment of events during that time period that pertains to us in the, book of Daniel, in the books of Daniel and Revelation. And Daniel envisioned... Isaiah, the verse we just read here, Isaiah. And Isaiah saw this vision in the wilderness of the sea. And that, that vision pertained to Babylon. Isaiah was writing about 720 B.C. That's 115 years before literal Babylon rose to power. And now we're living in the time of spiritual Babylon. And in the writings of Isaiah, Isaiah saw the spiritual side to Babylon. And Daniel is writing in the book of Daniel chapter 7, he says, After this in the night visions, and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little, a little one coming up among them, before, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots, and there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. In the earlier part of the vision, Daniel said that he saw four great beasts coming out of the earth, out of the sea, the great sea. And he was able to identify them. There was the lion. And then there was the, the, the bear with three ribs in its mouth. The lion had wings on its back, two wings on its back. Then he saw this beast that succeeded, and that kingdom was Babylon. And then came Medo-Persia, and that was the bear with three ribs in its mouth. And then there was the leopard with four heads and four wings, and that represented Greece. But then Daniel saw a beast he could not describe. It was nondescript. But he was able to show, he was able to write what that beast was going to do. It was going to devour the whole earth. And we came to understand that. That was the Roman Empire. But it says on the breakup of that empire, he, said he saw a little horn, he says... That when the kingdom broke up, there would be ten horns. It meant that the, the, the Roman kingdom broke up into ten horns, ten kingdoms. 
and among them came this little horn. And Daniel trembled in the vision. A little horn. And he continues. I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beast, they had the dominion taken away. Yet the lives were prolonged for a season and a time. And Daniel sees this, this little horn or this beast that came up among the other ten horns. It was different from the rest. It was not just this military power that succeeded prior military kingdoms. There was something to this horn that was dreadful. He says that what? It was speaking. He says the horn was speaking. He says, and it spoke pompous words against the Most High God. Daniel continued. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. It was the Roman kingdom Daniel saw. And that kingdom reigned from 169 BC to 476 AD. It was a time when it was a, it was a kingdom such that the, 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 the atrocities of the Roman Empire could only be compared to that of the Assyrian kingdom. And it says it trampled everything under its foot. It devoured the whole earth. He says the ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom. He says, and another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the rest. He shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. This is not just history, church. This is today. This is 2017. Daniel is writing to us. You see, we can go back into history. And we can see the rise and fall of kingdoms. Sorry. Oh, okay. We lost the top part of the slide. From 605 to 539 BC, that was the Roman king. That was Babylon. Babylon was succeeded by Medo-Persia, and Medo-Persia ruled from 539 to 331 BC. Medo-Persia was succeeded by Greece. It reigned for three, from 331 to 168 BC. Greece was succeeded by Rome. And Rome ruled from 168 BC to 476 AD. Following that, in 538 AD, something happened. Something happened in 538 AD. You see, the Roman kingdom fell in 476 AD. And, and the Bible says that out of the ten horns out of which the Roman kingdom was broken up into, another kingdom came up, very different from the rest. So what are the characteristics of that little kingdom? It had three characteristics. Number one, it persecuted God's people for 1260 years, a time, time, and half a time. That time period is so important to God that he had Daniel record it twice in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 7 and Daniel chapter 12. But he had the revelator John record it five times. And it was written as 1260 days, 42 months, time times, half a time, three and a half years. If God is going to inspire the Bible writer to record one event one event seven times shouldn't we be paying attention to that particular time period what transpired what relevance does it have to us as we look forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ it persecuted God's people the second thing it blasphemed God's name it tried to take over the role of God on earth it cast the sanctuary message to the ground. Christ was no longer to be our mediator before the courts in heaven. That here on earth, 
the church had sufficient power to forgive sins such that God had to accept it. It blasphemed the name of God. Its leader was the vicar of God on earth. It replaced God. And lastly, it thing, it thought it could change times and law. Revelation 1.10. So remember, in the book of Daniel, Daniel sees this beast, uh, these beasts. Babylon, it was represented by a lion. Medo-Persia was represented by a bear. Greece was represented by a leopard. And then there was this nondiscreet beast that represented Rome. But Daniel said that all of these kingdoms would fall. But it says as much as they would fall, yet there is going to be a remnant from them that is going to continue till the very end of time. And, the book of, and in the book of Revelation, John the Revelator writes, he says, Revelation 1, 1 to 10. He says, then I stood on the sand of the sea. Isaiah saw the wilderness of the sea. Daniel saw the beast coming up out of the sea. John saw the beast coming out of the sea. It is telling us that this beast that is being referred to exists among the populations of the world today. It existed then at the time of Rome. It existed after the fall of Rome. And it continues to exist today. And it's the number one reason why God continued to repeat it sometimes in the Bible. It's a warning, church. Be aware. Be alert. Be cognizant. The time that we're living in, the sunny days are behind us. The days when we could proclaim this gospel message without fear are coming to a close. You're going to see that in a minute. And John says, I, stand, I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast. Daniel had saw a beast rising up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns. A seed there represents a populated area. He says, and on the horns, ten crowns, on his heads, what? A blasphemous name. That's what Daniel saw. He says, that beast blasphemed the name of God. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. Daniel saw the leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear. Daniel saw the bear. And his mouth like the mouth of a lion. That means Daniel saw the lion. So the residue of these kingdoms, Babylon, the legacy of Babylon is idolatry, image worship. The legacy of Medo-Persia is worship to a man. The legacy, the legacy of Greece is philosophical thinking, philosophical religion. And it says the legacy of Rome is torture. And that beast comprises, the one that, that John sees coming up out of the sea, comprises idolatry. It, comp it, it, it has with it worship to a man. It has with it philosophical thinking, and it has with it the elements of Rome. He says, the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. Now look at what John says. As if it was mortally wounded. He didn't say I saw a wound. He, he, he didn't say it was mortally wounded. It looked like it was mortally wounded. It means that that beast was not going to die. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And the dragon there is Satan or any element of Satan or any earthly power. So, so for example, it was uh, Rome that tried to kill Jesus. First Herod tried to kill baby Jesus. Then it was a, a Roman officer that condemned Jesus. Then it was a, a, a Roman centurion that crucified Jesus. It was the Romans who put the seal over the tomb. It's the Romans that stood guard over the tomb. So that, 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 that. So therefore, Rome represents the agency of Satan in an effort to destroy Jesus. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. And this beast continues. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, 
Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with the beast? It means that if no one had the ability to make war with the beast, the beast continues. From generation to generation, from the time this little horn assumed power in 538 AD, it is going to have a presence in the religious world until the second coming of Jesus Christ. No one, no earthly power would have the ability to wage war with that beast. Let's continue. And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to, con to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. In John's vision, the Holy Spirit is repeating the vision that was given to Daniel. You look at the wording in the book of Revelation. The book of Daniel is being repeated. It is being expanded. Because in the book of Daniel chapter 7, we did not see all of the elements of this little horn. In the book of Revelation, we see it's becoming clearer. The amazing thing about Bible prophecy, God gives one prophet the message. And then he's going to repeat the message a second time and expand on the first message. So for example, Daniel chapter 2, we saw Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, second coming of Jesus Christ, his kingdom being established. Is that correct? Daniel chapter 7, same vision, but now he builds on it. He gives him Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, the breakup of Rome, the rise of this little horn, and gives him the judgment message. Now, Daniel chapter 8. He expands on the message again. This then, Rome was not included, uh, Babylon was not included, but he gives him Medo-Persia, gives him Greece, gives him uh, Rome, the little horn, and the judgment being in heaven. On to 2300 years, then shall it As he expands the prophecy, he's shedding greater light to each generation, to each succeeding generation. You understand what I'm trying to say to you? So in the book of Revelation, there is a, a prophecy in the book of Revelation that should we understand it properly, we're going to be prepared for the storm that is coming our way. If we don't understand it, the Bible says, Satan who deceived the whole world. He's going to come as an angel of light so all of the good things, all the good moral qualities that we should have the poor and the poor and the rich should be given to the poor and that we should be preserving the environment. People are going to be deceived into believing that is the truth and they're going to fall victim to this little war. The number one theme in the book of Revelation is Jesus Christ. The number one issue is worship. From Revelation 1 to Revelation chapter 20, God dwells in worship. And it takes us through the history of the Christian church from the ascension of Christ to the second coming of Jesus. But in show the experience of the Christian church from Revelation chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 11. In Revelation chapter 12, he opens up the great controversy between Christ and Satan. And in Revelation chapter 13, he unfolds to us what is going to happen in the course of worship at the end of the time. And in Revelation He who leads 
into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Okay. Did I drop the slide? Okay, just a minute, please. Sorry. Now, Revelation 17, 78. But the angel said to me, why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman. So we're reading the Bible now. I want you to see. I want you to see what's in the Bible. And then we're going to put it together in an understandable way. But the angel said to me, why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now this is how you unravel the end time scenario. The beast who was, it had an existence is not, the presence is not observable, yet it is. So it means that it's being camouflaged. You can't see it. Because all of the good elements of what we believe in, it has shrouded itself in it. So let's take a look at it. Here's the little horn. I didn't do the slide very well. Anyway, so this is the little horn. So, so we want to see the beast who was, who is not, yet he is. Because this is, the, this is the beast that's being unraveled to us that is going to challenge God's worship at the end of time. Amen? So here, the beast that was and is not, yet is. Okay? Old and new technology trying to come together here. Okay. So the beast who was and is not yet is. So from 538 to 1798, we read about it in Daniel chapter 7. Okay? That it is going to persecute God's people for 1260 years. So that beast reigned from 538 AD to 1798 AD. But what happened? There's a time period from 1798-80 to 1929-80 when the beast had no existence. But remember, John said he had received a wound. It, it looked like it was mortally wounded. So the, 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 the beast that was, the beast was, 537-98, he's quiet from 1798 to 1929. And yet he is. Because in 1929, he was given a new life. And that life existed to a point in time in 1844. And from 1844 to 2017, we're looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. So what happened here? Remember, that little horn is going to arise out of the Roman Empire. It came out as a religious power. But it had both political and religious might. Because when Justinian, the emperor, rose to prominence, he conferred on the church both political and religious rights. And so from 530 to 1798, that church persecuted the saints of the Most High. Why? John, Daniel said it could think to change times and law. And so the church removed the Sabbath as the day of worship and instituted the worship of Sunday. And anyone he described as heretic. Now do you know what a heretic is? It is an individual who chooses who to worship. What the beliefs are. If you're contrary to that, you're a heretic. In 1798, it received a deadly wound. That is when Berthier 
went into the papacy, took the Pope captive, and became Christian. Then it was not. In 1929, the Italian government and the papacy came to an agreement. It was known as the Lateran Treaty, a political treaty recognizing the full sovereignty of the Holy See in the state of Vatican. But it was just a power. Yet it is. And in 1844, what happened? Anybody knows what happened in 1844? That was the Great Awakening, thank you. Religion experienced sunny days from 1798 to 1844. After 1844, this message went out to the world in an unparalleled way. What it was it? Look at what happened. At the time, the Roman Church lost its power in 1798. The United States emerged as the next global power, as a political power. Is that coincidence? I don't know. Was that the direction of God? I don't know. But as we're going to see, in 1843 to 1844, in between 1843 to 1844, that great revival awakening, it was not just in North America. It was in Europe and other parts of the world. What happened? What happened in 1853? The last commandment keeping people of God. Let's go to the book of Revelation. Turn it to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. Church, let us come to understand this prophecy. Revelation chapter 13. So we saw the first beast. Persecuting power. Blasphemes God's name. Try to change times and laws. Revelation chapter 13. And I'm going to chart verse 11. It says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the sea, out of the earth. You, you notice that the Bible refers to it as a beast, as a beast, as a beast? It preserves the integrity of the message. It is known as apocalyptic writing, symbols. It says, and he says, I, I saw another beast coming up out of the sea, and he had two horns like a lamb, and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Book of Revelation. He says, I saw another beast coming up from where? Out of the earth. It means that it's coming up out of an unpopulated area. The first beast came up out of a populated area. It came up out of the sea. As we head towards the end of time, there are only going to be three combatants in this great controversy. There are not going to be different religions, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. There are only going to be three fronts in which this war is going to be fought according to this word of God. And let us not be afraid to preach the message. Many died so that we could get this word of God today. Let us not run scared that we're going to be persecuted. Just think of the martyrs who were burned to the stake in Europe. Think of those who were guillotined. Think of the war Genji. Think of the Huguenots. Think of them. So that we could get the unadulterated word of God in our lives today. And for the last 218 years, Christianity has experienced a peace among them that is non-existent before. If you read the story of the church, from 8100 onwards, that church was a persecuted church, Christianity. The dark clouds are on the horizon. And so what is happening here is that after 1863, uh, when this church was formed, sorry, 
The United States, which was formed in 1798, Declaration of Independence, 1776, the, uh, the, the independence was acknowledged in 1783 by the rest of the world. The Constitution was framed in 1787. 1791, the Bill of Rights was added. In 1798, it was recognized by France. And in 1863, the, the, the emancipation of slaves. Now, why is that important to know? In a special sense, Seventh-day Adventists have been set in the world as watchmen and light bearers. To them been, has been entrusted the last warning for a perishing world. On them is shining wonderful light from the word of God. They have been given a work of the most solid import, the proclamation of the first, second, and third angel's message. There is no other work of so great importance they are to allow nothing else to absorb their attention. Please turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 14. This is the message for the time that we're living in. The three angels message. Because it is the only place in scripture you're going to find one of the most dire consequences to unbelief. We have to warn people. We have to make people aware that the conditions that they are in we can either bring them to Christ and be saved, or we leave them out there and they'll be lost. The message says in verse seven, in verse six, then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the fountains of water. It's a call to worship, church. It's a call to worship the creator God. It's to get people, align, them li align their lives in conformity to the word of God. It is not idle talk. It is not our doctrine. Thus said the word of the Lord. Watchmen. What of the night? What are we seeing? And let us go to verse 9. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives his mark on his forehead or in his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels, and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of the torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night to worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Fearful warning, church. That's the message to be born to the world at this point in time. The three angels' message. That's our message. Revelation 11, 13, 11 to 7. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. What I'm saying to you, this beast is the United States of America. This is the last nation that has come out or the last people that has come out as a nation that has the power, the control, the authority, second to the papacy. And so at the end of time, brothers and sisters, there will be three standards. He says, he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Do you know that this fire is going to be a spiritual revival among the Christian churches where miracles are going to be performed and people are going to believe God is doing it. And do you know it has begun? Do you know that
Why? The Spirit of God has called us on the commandments and good Jesus. Amen? Let's not be afraid of this message. It's a false revival. So that fire that comes down from heaven in the sight of me, and he deceives, there's the word, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the first beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give, give breath to the image of the beast. What that is trying to say, that through the legislations that are going to be in path, that are going to pass, is going to enforce the powers of the first beast. It says that, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Persecution. He causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. This is the day that is coming when you and I, regardless of how much money we have in the bank accounts, we could not buy food to sustain ourselves. Economic persecution. It's coming. It is coming. So let's take a look at it. If we take a look at this picture here. I'm quick to the image to the beast. It simply means this image to the beast that is going to be created. This follows the United States. to the second coming of Jesus Christ. When this happens, when this comes out of Capitol Hill, we're right there. Jesus is about to come. There is not another event in the course of the Christian history or the human history that is going to go beyond the Sons of Mary. Nothing else. So when the Holy Spirit inspired Daniel, he took us to a certain point in time. But when he inspired John, he took us to the end of time. Amen? The time of the end. Let's continue. He says, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophets. So who are those? The dragon, United States of America, the beast, the papacy, the false prophets, apostate Protestantism. So let's take a look at what is happening in the world now. Look at how close we are. You remember 500 years ago when Martin Luther began the Reformation. He did not despise the church. He despised the teaching of the church. 500 years later, look at what is happening. Joint ecumenical meeting commemorating the Reformation. A joint penance and reconciliation service was held in Germany to commemorate the Reformation in Germany. The chairman of the Roman Catholic uh, German Bishops Conference, Cardinal Reinhard Marx, and the chair of the Council of the Ev Evangelical Church in Germany, EKD, Bishop, Bishop Heinrich Bedford Strong, sponsored the meeting. World Council of Churches General Secretary, Reverend Olaf Heitzke, spoke at the service on March 11th in Helgensheim, Germany. He praised the gathering. Luther was ready to give up his life to bring light to the world. And look at what is happening. He says, he praised the gathering as an encouraging sign of unity in the world. The Bible says, and the whole world wandered after the beast. And when it comes to healing memories, 
The power of forgiveness, he added, can free up the way for the common witness that the world we live in desperately needs. What does the world need today, church? Peace. Everybody wants peace. But at what cost? At what cost? He said, the organizers said that this year, for the first time in history, the Protestant and Catholic churches in Germany, first time, which have been separate since the Reformation 500 years ago, are coming together for an ecumenical celebration of the anniversary. They said that the will for reconciliation would have been unimaginable in the past. Dark clouds, church. Dark clouds. Let's take a look here. The wide diversity of beliefs, look at this quote. The wide diversity of beliefs in the Protestant churches is regarded as by many as decisive proof that no effort to secure a forced uniformity can ever be made. They're too different. That's the thinking. But there has been for years in churches of the Protestant faith a strong and growing sentiment in favor of a union based upon common points of doctrine. That was known as ecumenism. To secure such a union, the discussion of subjects upon which all were not agreed, however important they might be from a Bible stand standpoint, must necessarily be waived. The Great Controversy, page 444. What is it saying? The churches are going to say, you know what? what what's different around us? Let's, have, let, let's put it aside. But what is common among us? Let's keep it together. So we're going to have one church. We don't want that diversity any longer. Let's take a look at this. This actually, this happened just a few weeks ago. One pro-EU think tank official said that with Barack Obama gone from the White House, the head of the Catholic Church was the only moral authority. European politicians had left, had, had left to follow. They knew that the EU's most powerful men and women are seeking divine intervention from the Pope Mary's eyebrows amongst critics who feel they have no answers to the block's growing questions. How is, the, how is the church going to return to ascendancy? Through this movement. Frogs, ecumenism. Bring them all in. You're Islam? We're going to find a, a place for you in the house. You're Buddhist? We're going to find a place for you in the house. You're Protestant? We're going to find a place for you in the house. One religion. The Bible says, in Revelation chapter 11, in, in Revelation chapter 13, he says, he says, he performs great signs so that he even, sorry, no, and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was sealed. He says the earth, all populations, all denominations, all faith groups, one church. How does it begin? First, let's set aside our differences and let us worship together. Secondly, socialism has failed, communism has failed, Democracy is failing. We need a moral authority. We need divine intervention. How is it going to happen, church? It's knocking on our door. Those who honor the Bible Sabbath will be denounced as enemies of law and order. As breaking down the moral restraints of society, causing anarchy and corruption, and calling down the judgments of God upon the earth. Their conscientious scruples will be pronounced obstinacy, stubbornness, and contempt of authority. They will be accused of disaffection toward the government. Ministers who deny the obligation of the divine law will present from the pulpit the duty of yielding obedience to the civil authorities as ordained of God. In legislative halls and courts of justice, Commanding keepers will be misrepresented and condemned. A false coloring will be given to the words. The world's construction will be, will be put upon their motives. As the Protestant churches reject the clear scriptural arguments in defense of God's law, 
They will long to silence those who, whose faith they cannot overthrow by the Bible. They would not allow themselves to be convinced by the truth out of the word of God. So those who speak it would be silenced. Though they blind their own eyes to the fact they are now adopting a course which will lead to the persecution of those who conscientiously refuse to do what the rest of the Christian world are doing and acknowledge the claims of the papal Sabbath. The dignitaries of church and state will unite to bribe, persuade, or compel all classes to honor the Sunday. The lack of divine authority will be supplied by oppressive enactment. Political corruption is destroying love of justice and regard for truth. And even in free America, rulers and legislators, in order to secure public favor, will yield to the popular demand for a law enforcing Sunday observance. Liberty of conscience, which has cost so great a sacrifice, will no longer be respected. In the soon coming conflict, we shall see, ex we shall see exemplified the prophet's word. The dragon was wrought with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. This we are standing on the threshold of persecution. For 218 years, Christianity has experienced peace. It's been fragmented. We have over 30,000 denominations within the Christian faith. It's going to become one faith. But there's only going to be one group of people that's going to be standing between the will of those two groups. One central group of people. The commandment keeping people of God. Those who keep the seventh day Sabbath. And by conscience, knowing that this is the word of God, thus said the way of the Lord, Remember to keep the Sabbath day holy. The dark clouds will replace the sunny day. It is not time for us to play church. This is not time to say that just Jesus saved you and that's the end of the story. That's the beginning of the gospel. The minister of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord, clearly states that the message that has been given to us has been greater than any message that has been given to any people at any time in the course of history. And that is the three angels' message. Worship the creator God. There's going to be a judgment. And there's a warning to those who worship the beast and its image. Let us not mix up the message. Out there, Jesus saves. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. They're smoking, they're drinking, they're cursing, they're worshiping on Sunday, they're eating pork. You know, all I have to do is just say I know Jesus and I'll be saved in the kingdom of God. When I die, I'm going to go to heaven. That's what the Bible says. That is the scripture. In the first verse, in the, in, in, in the book of 1 John, chapter 2, verse 4, he says, He that says, I know him. And does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. He who says I love him and does not keep his commandments, the apostle John says, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. We have to warn the world. We have to tell people what is coming. It's not going to be very long because the Bible says that those who are lost, as Christ comes through the clouds of glory. They will run to the rocks and the mountains and say, cry and cry out, fall on us, and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb to take home the bread. It's not going to be a pretty time. It's not going to be a nice time. Cry out to God today, save me. And the only way you're going to be saved is to come to know this Christ Jesus. Come to fall in love with him, obey his commandments, and live each day by the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. There is no other way. 
he that said that I know him and does not keep his commandments. All ten. Not nine of them. All ten. He says, he that said that I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So what are the dark clouds and the sun doing? We've begun to see them. The whole world wandering after the beast. The demise of the Reformation movement in exchange for unity with Rome. Ecumenism. And lastly, union of church and state in America. We're standing there. So what is going to be at the end of time? Three groups. The beast that came out of the earth. The beast that came out of the sea. God's commandment keeping people. No one else. I pray God's richest blessing upon all. God bless you.